And welcome to Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, we're your hosts, Joanna Perpich and Megan Duffy. Megan, how are you today? I'm hanging in there, girl. How are you? Hanging in there? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It was pretty gnarly news week this week. It was rough. You it was rough, yeah. Have a uterus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, welcome to our murder show. <laughs> this is going- something a little lighter. <laughs> This is uh, part two, following up from uh, part one. So we will still have Robert Durst from last week. Mm-hmm. What? Just a weird guy. Oh, he's a delight, isn't he? I think he's just a gem of a guy. I mean, I would love him to be my neighbor if he wasn't so serial killery. Yeah, I do. I like an eccentric for sure. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we're going to jump into the current Robert Durst trial and the murder of Susan Bergman. But first, we have uh, a couple of announcements and news of the week. All right. So hopefully, as you guys know by now, Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit. We are all volunteers. We're doing this because we love our community. We love radio. And uh, we really appreciate all the help that we can get. Uh, if you love our show as much as we love doing it, please donate to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Again, that is RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, I can't express enough how much we appreciate your uh, donations. And I don't know what's going on. Right <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah, we seem to have a... Uh, a crowd gathering outside to watch our show. <laughs> Sitting in a fishbowl. I'm sorry. I mean, interrupt you. That's just. There's like a very small part of me that is incredibly worried that we have missed an email. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. <laughs> oh, poor Tom. He's in charge of a lot. Yeah. I am not the best at receiving emails. Should I go talk to them? Do you want to take over? I'm not sure. Do you want me to go see what they want? (laughs) Oh, no. I know what they want. What? They're in line for the restroom. Oh, so it's... (laughs) It's, it's, We don't have um, a bunch of, like, visitors It's not. Robert Durst's show. We're we're not that popular. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking this would be our our, our break for fame where we get to go sign a bunch of autographs. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I think the longer they stand there, the weirder they think we're going to be. So that'll be fine. Maybe we'll scare them away. All right. <laughs> this requires a lot of focus. I'm so sorry, listeners. Um, all right. We'll get going with news of the week. Um, all right. So first up. Um, oh, okay. So this is something that everyone really should pay attention to. We've received a report of two men claiming uh, to be like gas and electric workers yes. just going around to apartments. This disturbed the crap out of me. Yeah, it's not great. And um, so uh, basically there's this woman in her apartment. These two men knock on her door claiming to want to check her, her gas meter and no tools. 
no badge. They're very vague about where they are from. She appropriately told them to fuck off. Well, I mean, not many apartments have their own gas meter in it either. So I'm not sure what the hell is going on. But yeah, but they could have easily said we're here for your Internet or, you know, the water or something, you know, something a little more viable. But 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 still, it's like people who are being sent from any sort of utility company usually They'll like leave you a message. They try to schedule it yeah. with you. Yeah, they do. One. Two, they all have a uh, a badge uniforms. or a card. Uniforms. Uniforms. Badges. Weird tool things. Weird tool belts, <laughs> clipboards, hats. Yeah. I mean, you can tell a con ed worker from like down the block. <clears throat> okay. So uh, this report came from Sunset Park <clears throat> and I'm sure they're just going around hanging up whoever they can. Try to get inside. We don't know why they're there. They could be there to to uh, to rob someone. We've heard some horrific murders, murders that have happened, robs, rapes, um, sexual assaults. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone comes up to you like that and you want to verify, uh, I have a few tips for you mm-hmm. that I looked up. Good. All right. So um, if it's with Con Ed, an employee will be wearing a photo ID with their name and employee number. Uh, they will also, according to Con Ed, gladly give you their supervisor's name, uh, the ticket number of the job mm-hmm. assigned, and um, they'll give you a phone number to call okay. to, to verify who they are. Good. You know, like they want you to be safe mm-hmm. and they want the public to have trust right. that, you know, they're doing their job well. Well, I don't know if they're doing it well, well but they're doing they're, their job. That they're doing their job. <laughs> they're who they say they <laughs> they're are. They're representing themselves anyway. Yeah. Um, and so then also for for water, if there's anyone who's asking you to look at their meter, uh, customers can verify the employee's ID by asking the inspector uh, for a, it's called a DEP contact number. And it's because it's the Department of Environmental Protection in New York is okay. running the water services. Good. And uh, the employee will give you a phone number if it's an unscheduled visit. You call the phone number and they will let you know if you have a visit that day. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if you're feeling sketched out for any reason by the person at your door. Don't open it. Yeah. Don't open your door. Keep it locked. Lock your doors. All the time. It's like I'm always guilty of buzzing people in even if I don't know them, you know. But don't open the door. I don't ever open the door. Really? No. If I'm not expecting you or anything, you can. I don't give two shits. You can stand out there all day. I don't care. Did I tell you about the time that I almost um, died of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning because I wouldn't <laughs> open my door to the fire department? <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl. Were they wearing their uniforms? Oh yeah, but I was also like really high at that point. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, they will. They they'll chop your door down. Well, they were trying. That's kind of like where they were at. Was. <laughs> There was a gas leak in my apartment and which isn't funny but. in winter. <laughs> and I was like, why am I so tired? Because my 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 bed's close to the floor. Mm. So, you know, it rises from the ground. I had a headache. All the symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> so I take a nap. And oh, I great. am like, Ow. I know. Oh, great. That's a great idea. <laughs> and well, I didn't know there was a gas leak. I couldn't smell it. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm out like a light for like hours, like mm-hmm. breathing in carbon monoxide. 
And I hear this like knock on the door and I'm like, and then I hear this banging. Yeah. The banging scares me. And I'm like, I'm not answering the door. Who is this horrible person banging us? I was, I got scared. So I'm like lying in bed listening to this and it's getting like louder and louder. And they really do sound kind of like they're starting to break my door down. I'm like, okay, fine. So I go and I peek into the eye hole and it's the FDNY with all their gear. And I, I open the door, open a crack and I'm like, and I see your, your ID number. And I am like high and headache. (laughs) And the fire department is like, are you okay, miss? Miss, there's a gas leak. We need you to evacuate immediately. And I'm like, oh, what? Can you carry me? <laughs> and I finally opened the door and I must have been asking really dumb questions because they're like, do you need to go to the hospital? And I'm like, uh, maybe. Can you carry me, please? I was like, I was like, can I like pack a bag or something? And they're just like, just ventilate your room and like leave in the next half hour. <laughs> We're not dealing with this girl. That's funny. Glad Um, you're okay. But I, uh, (laughs) you maybe don't have to ask for their ID if they're in full gear. If they're in full gear. Hat, overcoat. They had like oxygen tanks with them. Yeah, I think that, I think you would have been okay. I think it might have been legit. (laughs) So, (laughs) the axe. They actually left little dents on my door when they were like knocking on it. Oh my God, girl. But I, I love to tell the tale. Everything's fine. Woo. All right. Um, <clears throat> so getting on to the more uh, serious front, um, I have like a lot of murder news. Yeah. Uh, so there's a break in a cold case from 2005. Ooh. Tell me, tell me, tell me. All right. Uh, so uh, Christopher Gonzalez really thought that he'd get away with it <laughs> after 20 years. Joke's on him because... Uh, Friday, he was arraigned in Westchester for the murder of Angel Serbe, who was just 25 when she was found wrapped in a blanket um, near uh, the Springbrook Parkway. In, uh, I think it's in the Bronx. I have no idea. Um, September 2005. Okay. Um, so basically what happened was this guy. He was a suspect in another murder of a woman who was raped and strangled with a phone cord in 2000. Okay. And they, like, were able to sort of connect him to it, but not enough to actually prosecute. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, um, the police in both that murder case and in the murder of Angel collected DNA. But then for whatever reason, it wasn't until recently that they actually landed on him and Mm -hmm. got a match. And, uh, yeah, so he's arraigned, facing trial. You can read more about it at the New York Daily News. Um, oh, that was in, it was in Yonkers. I'm sorry, okay. not the Bronx. Um, but, yeah, pretty gnarly. I'm really glad that uh, yeah. there are some police who really stuck with it, you Fuck know? that guy. Yeah. Clearly a lot of violence against women going on in his life. Yeah, well. <clears throat> so hopefully he will be put away for a long time. Let's hope they don't fuck it up. Well, I know, especially after this whole like Robert Durst thing. I'm like, I know, I know. And then, um, oh, we also have a uh, love triangle hitman thing going on. Ooh, give me the juicy deets. NYPD officer <laughs> Valerie ah, No Cincinnati <laughs> is being charged with the murder 
of her ex-boyfriend. Oh, it's Lady Murder. Okay. Uh, this is great. So she first asked her boyfriend to find a hitman to offer ex-boyfriend. And her boyfriend was like, okay, I'll look into it. Is and he, he like, a police officer too? I don't think it so. Say. It didn't say. Um, but he <laughs> is like making things happen. All right. Then she asks if her boyfriend can then kill the 15-year-old daughter of her ex. What? And that's when BF is like, oh, this girl's crazy. Why? Why the little kid? It's just murder everywhere. Girl be crazy. I know, right? Anyway, so... Bat shit. Uh, yeah, so then <laughs> the boyfriend starts cooperating with the FBI after he's asked to, like, kill Why? a 15-year-old. Wise move, sir. Apparently, she asked. She's like, all right, this is a school she goes to. Just shoot her when she gets out. No, like, sweet Maybe baby. let her walk a block so it's not, like, right in front of all of her classmates. But, you know, like, we know where she's going to be. Make it happen. Oh, God. I hate this woman. She's okay. The, gr- the, 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 the 15-year-old is, is yeah, okay. okay. Valerie is definitely in jail. <laughs> Um, oh, Val. So she got caught after a wiretaped convo where um, after she found out that the hitman was successful in knocking off her ex, uh, she uh, on the phone was like, the hitman did it. We need to work on our alibi. Oh, so they played it off that the hitman did it or the hitman, no, the hitman actually, like, actually. Oh, oh, that poor girl. That poor little girl. Yeah, I know. Dad just. Anyway, um, yeah, so then the police move in and arrest her. Um, of course, the wiretapping was even possible because um, her boyfriend cooperated. Right. So good on him. Mm-hmm. That's quite frightening when you realize that the person you're laying in bed with is like cold-hearted killer. Yeah, well, you know, there's always that other thing where um, the hitman could always rat you out. I mean, so I think eventually she would have gotten caught, but... Yeah. but um. I'm glad that the boyfriend came to his senses. What little he had, anyway. Well, well, I tell you what, this girl is a mess. uh, Because another ex-husband saw a restraining order against her. Ooh, hot mess. And she had an affair while she was on duty with NYPD, like in the district that she was patrolling. Uh Uh-huh. So she's just all over the place. Hmm. Loose morals. A little bit. A little bit loose morals. Yeah. Her moral compass is a little... I was reading that. I'm just like, this would make such a great TV show. Oh, you know ID Discovery is going to pick that up. (laughs) They're going to. They have to. Getting flashbacks from my old job. (laughs) Anyway, um, we also have an update on the Daniel Pantaleo trial. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 So if that name is not ringing a bell to you... um, he is the NYPD police officer who, I'm just going to say it, murdered Eric Gardner. Choked him out on the corner. Yeah. Like, there's, sorry, dude. Like, such an unnecessary death. Uh, so um, he has, like, this big court case uh, that we are following pretty closely. And um, so... Uh, this day uh, that we're going to be talking about was where one of the uh, NYPD supervisors uh, was sending text messages back and forth between, I think it was Pantaleo's partner, mm-hmm. uh, trying to kind of like monitor the scene from afar, give them advice, just yeah. procedures. Worked out well. 
Yeah, so there's like this really great text message that basically ends in the supervisor saying, not a big deal. We were affecting a lawful arrest. Yep. After he learns. After he learns that Eric Garner is on the ground. Well, no, this is in the hospital when he was dead. Oh, he was already dead. Yeah. And they were filling him in. They're like, listen, you know, like this event happened. Oh, great. Yeah. And so the text message is pretty (laughs) awful. Yeah. And I mean, there is like some context. Uh, I'm just trying to bring up the text messages now. Uh, so, uh, the officer on the scene is saying, you know, they went to call her Eric Garner. He resisted, uh, when they took him down, he went into cardiac arrest. He's unconscious, might be DOA. And so then the supervisors, um, saying like, like, calm down. It's not a big deal. We were, we were there with cause. And so I personally think that this comes across as like very like insensitive. It's very callous. Um, and it's a shitty po- choice of words. Not a big deal. Yeah. And it's like not showing the respect for life that you'd hope a police officer would have. Yeah. Um, that said, the supervisor was saying that the reason he wrote that was because he was trying to talk down Pantaleo, who's clearly in a state Right now. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. He's in a state? I know. <clears throat> but he was saying that he was trying to, like, de-escalate from afar. Judge for yourself the sincerity yeah. of that statement. <sighs> mm. Well, you know, there's a lot. There's a, I don't know, Pantaleo. He wasn't even trained to use the chokehold. They weren't supposed to use the chokehold. Well, they didn't even manage? text about the chokehold. No. I think from the supervisor's viewpoint, it was like they put him in handcuffs and he had a heart attack. That's, but that's not what happened. No, that's not what happened. Like at all. No, not even close. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that more than anything, regardless of the results of this trial, it's really showing how the NYPD approaches these types of arrests. Yeah. You know? And I think this tone is just a sign of the culture of the department. It is, but that sign, I mean, they've been waving that flag for a really long time. It's not, you know, it's not anything new. They want to say it's community policing. They want to say that they've, you know, this, the stop, they've dropped the stop and frisk, but they have, I mean, they haven't. They're still, they're still the big callous machine. And, and um, it's, an, it's unfortunate. It's, I'm like, I'm glad we got to see the text messages, but it's so unfortunate how we ended up having to see it in the first place. Yeah. I'm just hoping that maybe all this press <laughs> and transparency at the moment will hopefully lead to changes. But as you were saying, don't hold your breath, girl. Been a while. All right. And now for the um, news that directly pertains to our. Well, I guess I should ask you is there anything else on the week that's on your radar? Um, not off the top of my head. No, no. I am just going to add here that next week we're devoting the entire episode to abortion. And yeah. And so a lot of the news that we're all feeling very deeply right now, we will discuss then. So we're just going to show that for the moment. We understand that is so important that we wanted to really give time to it. So we're not mentioning it here. No, um, we're going to do a whole episode on, on my rage. <laughs> 
You're going to be like popping Xanax during it. Just <laughs> calm down. Um, so uh, Robert Durst. <laughs> He's my dream man. Oh, my God. <laughs> this Friday, uh, we found out that the trial for the murder of Susan Berman has been postponed. It was previously set for September. Uh, it has a new start date of January 13th. Maybe that's a Friday. <laughs> um, a source from the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has told the news. Uh, Judge Mark Windham has agreed to delay the trial after defense lawyers have raised concern about the volume of evidence in this case that they need to go through. Uh, I think that that's kind of funny. There's a lot of evidence. Well, it's just like it took them so long to get all of it together. But yeah, well, it goes back to, you know, there's evidence that was seized in New Orleans. There's evidence that was taken from his own properties. There's- I feel like there's just evidence stuffed into Robert Earth's pockets. And when he's looking for a goth cough drop they just like fall out behind him (laughs) um now uh kathy who is robert's wife that he likely murdered uh, her brother is really worried that durst won't live through the trial Mm -hmm. he is incredibly sick he is battling esophageal cancer um has a buildup of fluid around the brain and underwent a spinal fusion surgery wow recently i did not know that uh, he is a very sick, physically sick man. Uh, I don't even want to guess about his yeah, mental he has state. Multiple ailments. Um, didn't did I read correctly? Uh, I I didn't because I didn't deep dive into it. That her uh, Kathy's family filed a civil suit. Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, I think that her family is just trying to get at him in as many ways as they can. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's actually a strategy behind a couple of these civil suits that both she and Durst's own brother has filed against him. And the idea behind it is, is that they want to freeze his funds. Right. Uh, because if they freeze his funds, that affects the type of lawyer that he will be able to afford. Mm-hmm. And that's like why he got off in Galveston was he just had a really compelling lawyer. Who's on his current legal team. Yeah. Dick DeGaron. And so I think that the overarching strategy is for for Durst to not be able to maybe afford those lawyers and be in a situation that is less politics and more the evidence just speaking for itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the lawsuit maneuverings. Does he, is he is Durst still married to that woman uh, that we saw in the Jinx? I think he is. She has power of the attorney, right? Yeah. That is such a wild marriage because they rented an apartment <laughs> together for like four months, but they've never actually lived together. I know. Well, it was, I mean. He was on the run dressed as a mute woman in Galveston. But <laughs> Stealing sandwiches. <laughs> I have like no, I, it's like a sugar baby. I feel like it must be. I well, she I has mean, money herself, though. She has money. She, they're friends. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, and he needs someone to protect him and his assets back home. Otherwise, his, you know, his his family would. His family would take everything. Tell you know, they'd have him committed. Well, maybe he should be. Well, I'm not saying he shouldn't be, uh, but. Yeah, you know, he is. He's, he's not all about self-preservation. 
he really needs to like I I really want there to be like a uh like dubiously legal I want there to be a retirement home for possible criminals mm-hmm. where they all like hang out and play cards swap murder stories perhaps kill each other kill each other <laughs> there's like so many old people who uh, like for whatever reason the evidence isn't strong enough to actually convict them mm-hmm. and now they're like 80 and i'm like, I mean, like wouldn't gold- that be such a great show just to like camp out in this retirement <laughs> oh god Maybe that's the next documentary. Robert Durst would be like walking around in wigs, mm-hmm. giving each, everybody like a different name. He has, <laughs> <laughs> he's also caught with like, in New Orleans, he was caught with a latex mask. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. I'm, that's super creepy. Um, like, what the fuck is that? So why don't we just do a rundown of the Susan Berman murder one more time just okay. for everyone that is where in we case left you off. weren't listening last week. Okay. All right. Do you want to do you yeah. want to take it away? Oh, you want me to start? Okay. So uh, uh, Susan Berman was uh, shot in the back of the head in uh, Christmas time, two thousand. She was found um, laying. What is that? Akimbo on the floor in a pool of blood. Um, she may or may not have had a dog, according to the recre in HBO documentary. Yeah, she. Well, yeah. Someone said that she had a dog. Someone said she didn't have a dog. Um, thing is, Berman is, uh, was born in the mob life in Las Vegas. She wrote a couple of books about being, you know, um, a mob daughter. And then um, she's and her friends always said that she had sort of like a mob mentality when it comes to friendship and loyalty. Um, it is. Uh, it was suspected. Up until New Orleans, it was suspected that uh, Robert Durst killed her because the uh, investigation into the death of his wife, Kathy, had been reopened in 2000, shortly before, Mm -hmm. and that Berman knew too much. Yeah, so Berman is like uh, Robert's confidant. They've been friends since college. Yeah, she was like the the media face for him when he was facing a very uh, public investigation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what they think happened was was that uh, either he might have like confessed to her, or that he uh, kind of incriminated himself to her, and that. He got nervous. Maybe Susan. It's unclear if Susan had actually made any move to to participate with investigators. But I do think that she'd had like a police uh, interview scheduled. There was an interview scheduled. I don't I honestly don't think she would have said anything. But Robert, he's just well, as we see, like later on through his many other murders, he's just that type of guy like he eliminates risks. Yep. Eliminates risk. Backed into a corner. Eliminate the risk. And so, except for Morris Black, I'm not sure what that. Oh, well, I even think with that, it was that he was in hiding. Well, like low key hiding, I guess. And well, no, yeah, we talked Black about kind that. Of, we Black found out he was who he was and yeah. how much money he had. Uh, so anyway, it seems like this is speculation, but it seems like Robert thought that Susan was a liability. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying at the time, like it looked like it could have been possibly a mob hit back of the head. 
Very low key. Yeah. And that's how the LA, um, that's how the LA police officers actually investigated it at first. Mm-hmm. They didn't make any ties to Durst at the time. So the only really bizarre evidence that leaves really any clues is, is that the reason why the police even found Susan's body, she lived by herself, was that they were sent this letter uh, that listed her address and then just said the words cadaver. Yep. And uh, on the when they spelling out Susan's address, she lives in Beverly Hills. And the person, the murderer or the person who sends the letter misspells Beverly mm-hmm. and is like this very distinct block writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which comes really into play because <laughs> the Jinx, mm-hmm. that is the HBO TV show about Robert Durst. It's like a docu-series. Um, the director is actually given, or I guess it's the producer, is given this uh, letter that uh, Robert Durst wrote to Susan. Oh, that's right, her stepson. Way before the murder, by, yeah. her, by her stepson. And on the envelope of that letter from Robert with Robert's uh, letter heading, he misspells Beverly in the exact same way. He uses those block letters. It's very clearly the same handwriting. Yeah. Like you don't even need a handwriting analysis. It's like same person. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the show did that too. Like they just cut the two uh, addresses and put them side by side. And it's like, which one is which? Mm-hmm. And he And he couldn't even say. Yeah. And so uh, L.A. prosecutors got a hold of mm-hmm. the letter. And uh, I think that that is a, in large part why they were able to proceed with charges. Mm-hmm. So that's basically where we left off. Um, do you so do you want to go over what was going on in New Orleans? Yeah. So he was. uh he was in hiding in New Orleans in the French Quarter, I think. Oh, let's just real quick. Yep. He got um can, he got charged with murder in Galveston for for Black. Yes, his neighbor who uh, was killed. Yep, and he was acquitted. No thanks to the prosecutors. You know, like yeah, so he was acquitted, like full on acquitted. Yeah. So what we're talking right now is like this weird in between stage where Durst is like trying to be super low key, but he technically has not been charged with anything at the moment. No, New no. Orleans, go. Okay, New Orleans, a hideout, you know, as he does, using fake names. Uh, Everett Ward. It is March of 2015. He's staying in the French Quarter. Uh, the FBI approach him as he's walking into his hotel. Um, they bring him up to his room. They search his room. They tell him they're here to arrest him on state weapons charges or something yeah so they just found um like a couple of guns he's yeah he's always packing at least three guns yep robert durst is like a wannabe mobster (laughs) uh yeah so the police uh found some guns they recovered five ounces of marijuana uh robert's birth certificate passport maps of louisiana florida and Cuba, mm-hmm. a uh, flesh-toned latex mask, <laughs> Ew. and a fake Texas ID that he used to check into the hotel. That's under the name Everett Ward because Robert Durst is having some commitment issues with his own identity. Uh, they also found a new cell phone, 42000 in cash, 
Um, they also learned that his wife had shipped him a suitcase full of cash. How much was it? I think it was one hundred and fifteen thousand. Yeah, through the mail, through FedEx. And then they also <laughs> uh, discovered that he'd with he he withdrew three hundred thousand, um, in one month, uh, the month before going to New Orleans when he was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the FBI arrest him. <laughs> They uh, charge him um, with, uh, like, unlawful possession of firearms or something like that. Yeah, he's, well, the state was trying to charge him on weapons charges, but they had to, it has, it's a little convoluted how it is, but he's an ex-con, except with the state, it has to be the, the very previous crime that you committed that it has to be related to the weapons charges, where in federal, it doesn't have to be. So they nail him. They move it over to federal court and they they nail him and they uh, convict him um, and he gets seven years mm-hmm. for that. Yep. And then he's shipped off to Indiana Federal Pen. And uh, so while he and by the way, those ex-con charges that he had were all for they weren't for murder. They were for like dumb things because he wasn't ever charged with dismembering the body, was he? No, he never was. So it was stuff like he had like a record of like shoplifting um being like a public menace uh peeing on things yeah okay so (laughs) in july of 2014 he was arrested following an incident in houston where he exposed himself and urinated on a candy rack Mm -hmm. at a drugstore Mm -hmm. yeah well he had that you know his brother says he's been peeing on things his whole life. So peeing in trash cans <laughs> yep. of like employees that he didn't like. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Um. So we go. Yeah. So they get him on the weapons charge, but it, it, through that whole process, before he actually gets shipped off, the L.A. prosecutor does like a three-hour interview with him. Mm-hmm. Um. With and so and Durst had like waived his right to counsel and freely agreed to, to talk to him. Well, and then also, uh, according to courthouse news, uh, he said some things to the prosecutor that was pretty damning. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy can't keep his trap shut. (laughs) Everything that comes out of his mouth is pretty damning. Well, I think it's partially just watching the jinx. He's like not living in reality. You're right. I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's, like we talked about it last week, his his brother has been reported that he's been talking to himself his whole life. There's something, the synapses aren't connecting. And it's like, I think that when he thinks about this murder, these murders, honestly, he, it's almost like this weird fugue state where I honestly don't think that he understands the consequences. Uh, he clearly doesn't understand the consequences of his actions or he doesn't give a shit. Probably a little bit of both. I'm going to go rich kid both. Anyway. Um, or me. Or me. <laughs> I'm such a victim. He's like such a narcissist. Like, I, I don't use that term lightly. I don't either. Um, yeah. yeah I, just, I, I mean, it's mind boggling. He can't think beyond his nose. <laughs> oh, and the drugs, too. Like, the dr- <laughs> <laughs> the drugs this man takes. Just like smokes a ton of pot, which I'm like usually all for, but I do not think that Robert Nurse needs to be high. Well, like ever. So, 
So I also looked at a bunch of courthouse news articles this week yeah. on this, and he, it's been reported that he admitted to the L.A. prosecutor that while he was doing the interviews in the Jinx, he was high on meth. Oh now, I, I, he didn't I, look like he was I high on meth. I haven't been around a lot of meth heads, but I have watched a, you know some some television shows, and that does not look like meth to me. Maybe some like uh, depressants. I would, unless, I mean, if he was smoking meth, it's because he needed to get up from all that pot he'd been smoking. It's like, so there was some, maybe some evening out, but that did not look like meth to me. There's like, (laughs) he looks like such a space cadet. Like when they're going to his brother's house, he just sort of like walks back and forth a few times. Like I'm always worried he's going to like trip and fall into the street or something because he's not paying attention. (laughs) He does kind of, he does give off. You know, if you if you didn't know what you know about him, he gives off this harmless old man. Thing. Like you kind of want to help him cross the street. Yeah. Anyway, so I can just imagine this like meeting with his prosecutor. Like, do you want a lawyer? And he's like, "What? I'm good. no, I don't need any coffee. I'm fine. I'm good." Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, so um, yeah. So like, L.A. They're really trying to like pin it on him. And um, so you really looked into this. Uh, what else are they are they working with? Like, where are we in terms of okay. this trial? So, okay, so let me pull up my articles because I highlighted them because my memory is a little too much pot, uh, too much pot, too much work. <laughs> okay, so this week the judge uh, began hearing arguments challenging every aspect of his arrest. And when was this? This this past week? This was May 15th, 2019. Okay, wow. Yeah. So his defense attorneys, including Dick DeGarren, the guy that got him off in in Texas, um, contend in in a pair of motions to suppress evidence that FBI agents improperly arrested him and, and improperly searched his belongings without warrants and that the arrest and search warrants they obtained afterward were tainted so the warrants they obtained the warrants while they were in there searching so it would be like the fruit of poisonous tree kind of thing Mm -hmm. right um so the judge decides that even though the um subsequent warrant is valid and lawful the big question is are the statements that he made before the warrants and um and anything obtained with the subsequent warrant like before the warrant was actually signed yeah is is any can this any of this stand right so Mm -hmm. there's there's arguing back and forth on that um and these are the all of these motions are the reason that trial got pushed from september to january and what type of evidence were they finding is this when they were going through those there's something like 30 boxes worth or well the 60 boxes came out of a property that wasn't in the new orleans uh search um and it's all these documents and stuff that were related to, uh, I think the jinx and there was some question on those, but he, uh, for what, you know, if he shared them with anybody other than his lawyer, he's already broken privilege. So those could stand if, if there was a proper warrant in place to seize those. Well, there was some discussion over it because his wife certainly had access and then he gave full access to the director. Yeah. And that's uh, the director is the issue. Mm -hmm. Um, the wife isn't, an issue because there's a privilege between spouses in most states. Probably why they're married. That's exactly why they're married. You should have married Susan. Just saying. 
<laughs> I wonder if he tried. I don't I don't think she would want to marry. I mean, she's like, yeah. Um, okay, so there's that. There is also um the defense contests that uh the documentary producers, this is Courthouse News, uh, documentary producers um, and worked too closely with the police officers. Um, and it's really suspect that he was arrested in New Orleans the day before the last episode of The Jinx aired. And the last episode of The Jinx is where they confront Durst about the letters with the Beverly misspelling. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, where Durst light confessed. Well, they, he was, you know, was muttering into his hot mic. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's, it's Well, I actually have the clip. You want to play it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So just to set the scene, uh, Robert's interview, his... Like, the cameras are no longer rolling. They're taking a break. So Robert leaves the interview room to go to the bathroom. And uh, he still has his mic on, presumably because they're either going to, like, go back and start rolling again, or they just haven't, like, unmiked him yet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I personally think that the producers probably gave him fair warning, been like, hey, buddy, we're putting this mic on you. It's going to be on for the duration that is on your body. That's like pretty standard procedure. Well, it happened. It happened uh, earlier in the series, too. And his attorney was actually in the room with them. And he came over and says, your mic's still hot. But it wasn't anything of like. Yeah. Anything like this. So uh, here is. Hoping that you guys can hear it. It's a little bit um, fuzzy. Me, this is the bathroom. Yeah, that's... You're all right. This is the bathroom. And that's Robert. <laughs> I mean, he sounds harmless, too, doesn't he? This is the bathroom. There it is. Your court. You're right, of course. But you can't imagine... What's in the house? Oh, I want this. Disaster.
Okay, so I know it's a little bit hard to hear, so I also pulled up the transcript of what he just said, and it is, and this is w- what he's saying while in the bathroom. There it is. You're caught. You're right, of course, but you can't imagine. Arrest him. I don't know what's in the house. Oh, I want this. What a disaster. He was right. I was wrong. And the burping. I'm having difficulty with the question. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, the burping is because when during the interview, when they hand him both envelopes to compare the handwriting, Robert Durst sort of. The visceral reaction. Well, I really felt like he had like maintained composure, but it's like he just starts to like burp and it almost looks like have a little bit of trouble breathing. Uh Yeah. You know, it's a weird if it's not coincidence. I mean, if it is coincidence, it's very weird timing. Yeah. Well, and he he is having troubles Mm -hmm. answering the question. He's like repeating himself. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, you're right. Those do look the same. Maybe mm-hmm. I did write both of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. So that's, that's what happened. In so the movie. nothing like confessing on national television. Well, there's, uh, there are some questions because it's been raised by his defense team. Uh, thank you, Courthouse News, that uh, that scene has been uh, heavily edited. And they're trying, yeah. So been. there's some back and forth on that. Um, I didn't, I, at this time, I don't really know what the hell's happening, but um, we can update people later if something, if there's some movement on that issue. And so how has the HBO documentary complicated this case? Because it seems like a lot of what they're working with, especially that letter comes from it. I mean, I, I haven't um, put a lot of thought into that actually. Um I'm, but I'm, I'm sure they're having issues finding a jury pool. Yeah, that could be an issue. Or not. I mean, you know. How do you not know about Robert Durst? There's a lot of people that aren't into murder. <laughs> I don't know if they're communists, but, um, you know, it could it could be. There could be a lot of people that weren't aren't interested in it. You yeah. know, like they just, they see his, there's a lot of people that read the news just like, they look at the headline and, and then they don't absorb the story. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see what evidence they use, especially since so much of the evidence they're collecting seems to be complicated by things, Mm -hmm. you know, partially because of the jinx. Also, I think just like timing of some of these procedures. Um, Also, uh, a lot of these interviews that they're having with Robert's friends um, is kind of like. They're like, well, I didn't really think he did it at first, but now I certainly think he does. So it's like even the witnesses are, you could probably argue, are being biased by the amount of media attention that has gone into this. Yeah. And also the admission in Galveston that he didn't kill Morris Black, but I dismembered my friend. It's that could, you know, that could haunt his friends. Like, so, so. And if these people have been friends with that Kathy before she went missing, it's like, so he can dismember somebody, but he won't kill them. Like, I feel like that is a serious complication with all of these of his friends and Berman's friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could taint their memory or idea of what's truth and and what's fiction 
And also, um, the, they started taking statements from a lot of these people because of their age. Yeah. You know, Robert is in his 80s, right? He's 76 or 77. Okay. He's really getting up there. He's getting up. Well, I don't know if that's getting up there, but... I well, I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, I know a lot of healthy seventy-six-year-olds. He's not a healthy seventy-six-year-old, which compounds his age. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, are there any other comments that you would like to share in the last couple minutes? Um, no. I mean, we could go into if I go into anything else. It's just it's just gonna big wormhole. Yeah, I know. This is a rabbit hole case, and I love this case so much. Um, so but we can certainly expect more soon. We will. Yes, I will. Um, if I find anything interesting on courthouse news, I'll share. And then, uh, just real quickly, I just want to run through that. Uh, the FBI is treating Robert Durst as a serial killer. Uh, he has been, um, a suspect in murders in Vermont, California, uh, the FBI even actually has like a casual task force, as they like. A casual task it. force, is, informal, which it, I feel like is. Are we an informal task force? <laughs> like we could be. Um, that has gone through every county that Durst has lived in to look through their cold case. It's a lot of counties. The man has a lot of properties, and he really loves his identities. Um. So a Texas private investigator actually found that Durst has been operating under stolen identities in Texas, Florida, Massachusetts, New Jersey, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Virginia. Wow. How, how many IDs do we think he has? Do we know? They're just going to find like a drawer just full of fake IDs. <laughs> yeah. So he's like something else. Yeah. He's a piece. Anyway, um, oh, and then one of the suspected murders, uh, Durst was dressed in women's clothing, hanging out. I am just going to say this, is that like 99.99% of people, regardless of their gender, who dress in women's clothing do not murder someone. No. No, he, it was a, it was a, it was a useful tool for him. But like Durst disguises are like. They're almost comedic. Or none. Yeah. <laughs> He's like not going for being realistic. Mute deaf woman. Just gets a wig from Party <laughs> City and rolls with it. All right. Well, we're going to close out our Robert Durst week mm-hmm. uh, with a uh, song by the Eels called Fresh Blood uh, that was used in the Jinx. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. Yeah. Per your suggestion. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be here same time, same place next week to go over abortion. Uh, If you want to call in next week, we will give you plenty of opportunities. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thank you for being. Thank you for listening. Later days.